Welcome to the show, folks. This is Wrestling Changed My Life. Here we go. I caught an elbow and got my teeth knocked out. And I remember like holding them in my mouth and like running over the trainer like, hey, wrap it up. Let's go. Get me to the dentist. And John came over and grabbed me by the elbow. He's like, son, they're out. They ain't going back in. Get back out there. And I was like, oh, oh, there's levels to this now. And I went back out there and proceeded to get beat. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. It's Wrestling Changed My Life. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Hope you had a great Thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays of the year. And before we get to the episode, folks, I should just let you know that yesterday was the two-year anniversary of the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. So thank you very much for tuning in, whether this is your first episode or you've listened to all of them. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate everyone tuning in. So thank you very much. Many, many, many years to come for the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. Okay, our guest today is the great Chris Pendleton, head coach at Oregon State, two-time national champ for the Oklahoma State Cowboys back in his heyday. He knocked off Ben Askren a number of times in his career, and he's one of the greats, one of the best two-timers to ever do it. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation, folks. Fan of the week goes to my man, Joseph M. Jameson. He's a wrestling coach, excuse me, the head coach at your Sinus College Wrestling. I may be butchering this name, folks, but the college is U-R-S-I-N-U-S. Regardless, Joseph, thank you so much for the support. Greatly appreciate it. Last but not least, folks, if you want to support the show, please leave us a review or rating on Apple. You can do so by scrolling to the bottom of the uh, of the feed, hitting whatever stars you want, and that counts as a rating or review. That's it, ladies and gents. Let's give it up for the great one, Chris Pendleton. Whew, okay, let's nope. do it. I'm no ready. No problem, man. I'm ready. I can I cannot wait to watch your Smiths documentary. I really appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun to get out there and interview all these guys. And I'm glad somebody's finally telling Pat's story. I mean, Pat's really a very quiet guy, a very humble guy. I mean, you literally would never know that you're talking to the first four-timer. Um, and I can tell you some funny Pat Smith stories uh, for sure. Um, I hated Pat for the first year of college, maybe even the first two years. Like, I, I literally – despised pat smith so why 
You see these teeth right here? These are not my real teeth. And it was fine, you know, you're going in, Pat picked me up from the airport in, in uh, Oklahoma City, took me to Walmart, helped me buy towels, bedding, everything. I'm like, this guy's awesome. You know, uh, in Oklahoma State, we don't really go live the first month or two months of uh, your college career. You're, you're, you're drilling, you're learning technique, you're learning the setup routines, you're learning all that. I remember wrestling with Pat and Shane Roller and Tyrone and Branch, and I'm like, oh, this is easy. Like, I got this. Like, no problem. Then, like, John's like, all right, hey, guys, today we're going to go uh, group of three live. And I'm like, oh, yeah, live. You know, you start getting really, like, hungry, like, after drilling for that long. And I remember just, like, it was like a Wolverine came at me. I slapped hands with Pat and just, bam, just started beating the living tar out of me. And at some point, I caught an elbow and got my teeth knocked out. And I remember, like, holding them in my mouth and, like, running over to the trainer, like, hey, wrap it up. Let's go. Get me to the dentist. And John came over and grabbed me by the elbow. He's like, son, they're out. They ain't going back in. Get back out there. And I was like, oh, oh, there's levels to this now. And I went back out there and proceeded to get beat. I mean, and when people – don't really understand like when I say like Pat was good Pat was good like he beat me like I've never been beat in my life and I remember I was in sweats short shirt shorts knee pad uh, practice ended and I literally crawled off the mat out the door walked down the stairs uh, of Gallagher right across the street to Bennett to the dorms straight up to my bedroom and got right under the covers in my full workout gear and just was like, I made a horrible mistake. <laughs> I'm not cut out for Oklahoma State. <laughs> and so that lasted but, for two years, though. Yeah, well, uh, I'm also a, a, a very stubborn and prideful guy. So, um, you know, when you're just getting beat like that. And Pat had an amazing way of, like, getting into my head and – for the longest time I was young and I, I you have these conversations with um with your athletes now like where when a coach criticizes you you look at it like they're picking on me oh you're, you're picking on me why are you always picking on me and Pat would do stuff I'd be winning sprints in the room and he'd be like Chris you're not going hard enough not going hard enough and I'd get irate I'd get furious and for the longest time I just I just couldn't separate that he wasn't picking on me. He was helping me separate from the rest of the pack. He was teaching me lessons. And I, I think it was, I, I went to Thanksgiving with him at the Smith's house. And that was a, that's a whole nother story. Uh, but we, uh, I, I stayed the weekend with him and, you know, we went hunting uh, and I just got to like kind of get a deeper understanding of Pat and realize that he wasn't picking on me, that he really did help change my life and pat had a unique way of breaking down wrestling into like the most simplest form and you're looking at a guy that's the first four-time ncaa champion i mean and i can't even imagine the pressure of being the first four-timer but imagine the pressure of being john smith's little brother that's trying to accomplish that monumental uh, task I and mean, pat pat was underrated but he had a great ability to just simplify wrestling or I remember like when I was struggling with like 
my setups and getting to getting getting my offense going he's like you're thinking too much you're thinking too much make it simple he's like it's just a man your size against another man your size all you have to do with offense is just basically get two hands locked around the leg and that's it he's like don't think about all the other stuff he's like just think about getting two hands locked behind a leg and i was like yeah, actually, you know, that's really what shooting is. So it's little lessons like that, that Pat was just really, really good at crawling up in your head and, and calming you down. And But also, uh, I think every every uh, Oklahoma State guy uh, around his weight class can tell you that, you know, he was, he was viciously brutal on the mat. I think all of our shoulders are all torn up because he had this bar series where he'd put a bar on your back and just, I mean, it was painful. Dude, they uh, a lot of people talk about John and or Pat using that bar arm and just being nasty with it on top. No, I mean it was it was it, 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 it affected my wrestling. I mean, I, I love I love that bar series and and Pat would like remember when he was showing it to you, like just teaching it. It was like, oh my god, like you're trying to hurt me, and you know, he kind of was like, hey, I've never seen somebody like actually rip their shoulder off. Usually people go over before that happens. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, no, until you until you feel it, um, until you experience it, uh, I can tell you. you talk to Kevin Ward or Jake Rochon or Zach Esposito. Zach was a little small, so he didn't have this special treat of having Pat Smith with his bar series, but then having Mark Branch with his leg ride series. <laughs> got good on bottom you really got good on bottom and it wasn't technique it was survival um that's what it boiled down to <laughs> just surviving being able to walk out of practice dude that's crazy the fact that mark was still there as an assistant too i mean your coaching staff like the paid assistants incredible wrestlers and you guys just had guys around was dc around during that time oh man it's yeah. uh you know not not to brag, but it is a brag of uh, Oklahoma State guys are a little bit unique where we are all extremely close. I mean, like we all enjoy hanging out with each other. We vacation with each other. We, you know, being a first year head coach, I mean, I'm on the phone almost daily with one of my alumni asking questions. They're calling, checking in on me. And the group that we had with our coaching staff, I mean, John, Pat, Branch, and then Guerrero, and then we had uh, Jamil Kelly, Daniel Cormier, Eric was still training, uh, Mola Wall, Shane Roller. I mean, it was, it, it, we were very fortunate to have all those people around. And the best part was, is when you really look at it, is they're all really good people, like mm -hmm. really, really good people. I genuinely enjoyed being around my coaches. Um, Daniel cutting my hair, Jamil's still one of my best friends. Uh, I'd go uh, on family vacations with Branch. I'd go hang out with Pat. I mean, you know, John was always scary, so we didn't go hang out at John's. No, we went to John's house, but, you know, it was just really, it wasn't just like the, the accolades of the people. It was who they were as, pe as human beings. I mean, they were all good men. I've noticed that by interviewing all the Oklahoma State guys from the 80s and 90s, even then, you when you meet them now, there's a lot of hum humility, a lot of humbleness. Uh, you know, a lot of them have been able to move on and have successful careers, whereas some guys from other programs, they're stuck in that time and they can't get past 
whatever era was their era, you know? So I, I yeah. have noticed that with the Oklahoma State guys. It's awesome. Yeah, I think it's um, one of the things is your first lesson that you learn as a, when you walk into Gallagher and you walk into the Oklahoma State room, you have John Smith, who's literally the greatest American wrestler of all time. And when you walk up, the first lesson he tells you is no one's bigger than the program. And it kind of just puts it in perspective right away that if this guy is telling me that, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to accomplish, but it's probably not going to be what he's done. And he's telling me that I'm not bigger than the program, that you kind of have a loyalty to, to the program. And you're, you're, you're kind of seeing it a little bit. And I'll go on a little rant where you're seeing a lot of the, the name. Are you familiar with the name likeness and image stuff that's happening? Yeah. That, does the athlete build the school's brand as the school build the athlete's brand? Mm-hmm. You know, I'll always watch an Oklahoma State football game and I couldn't tell you who who's on the team. Um, you know, I'm, we are all loyal to a program that's done so much for us and helped change our lives. I mean, the, the name of the podcast, how the wrestling has changed our lives. And, you know, I have a good life because I went to Oklahoma State because I was surrounded by men that with character that taught me the right things. Yeah. And it, I've heard you say that before. And I, I thought about that. and I wrote it down as a note. I'm like, that's interesting that John would say that, but it makes sense because when he was at the prime of his career in 91, he took that head coaching job. And really he did. He's told me that that, that was a huge distraction for him and almost threatened him not winning that sixth title. Yeah. I couldn't imagine it. And not only that, I'm 38 years old and I'm one of the youngest yeah. head coaches in the country. He was 26. And still training. <laughs> yeah, it's, like that's like Burroughs just right now saying, you know what? I'm just going to be the head coach of Penn state right now. <laughs> right. And Jordan, and Jordan's even older. So, yeah. I mean, that's like Kyle, like Kyle Snyder. Like, you know, I don't know how much, coaching experience John had had at that point. I, I, I really don't think much of or if any. I yeah. mean, like recruiting the administration. I mean, all like the enormity of all the stuff that goes into being a, a head coach. Well, let's talk about that because I've heard you say in your, uh, after you got hired, you've done a number of interviews of how different it is to be a head coach versus an assistant coach. And you hear a lot of people saying that. What do you actually mean by that? Um. You have to kind of, it's a bigger picture thing. As an assistant coach, you can kind of like just focus in on an area, focus in on an area and, 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 and get your job done. There's a lot of times like you have to kind of factor in about 30 different things because you're having 30 different conversations. Um, you know, you're having a conversation with the parent, with an athlete, with the administration, with the trainer, with the strength coach, with the nutritionist, where you have the understanding what the bigger picture is, but getting that message across to everybody. I think that is probably the, the biggest thing is you got to just kind of have be that encompassing CEO. Mm. Now I can only imagine. I mean, you think about an assistant coach, it seems like During the pandemic. Ser- seriously, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the fact that you guys just got on the mat for the first time yesterday, you said it was no crazy. last Monday, last Monday, last Monday. Gotcha. Okay. So a little, little, little bit now. Um, so let's get to your career a little bit. You grew up in Lemoore, California. And from what I read, a little bit of a late bloomer in the wrestling sense, starting in middle school. When did you make the jump to going from fourth in the state to being a state champ? Like what happened? 
Um, I made the jump. I made the uh, my big jump between my sophomore and junior. I made a jump between my sophomore and junior year, where this is a, this is a true story. And I, uh, if I had my box unpacked, I'd show you. Um, I don't keep a lot of memorabilia. I don't keep a lot of my trophies or anything like that. I still have my camper card from the Oklahoma State Wrestling Camp. Mm. And that changed my life where I had an experience because at that point I just didn't want, I mean, it was just going through the motions. I was just having fun. It was a, a hobby, but I got to be around some of the legends of the sport. And I remember I, John does this like, camp speech where he talks about taking ownership and accountability. And he was saying that challenged us to do an hour a day on our own away from our parents, away from our coaches, to have that ownership of our career. And I did about half an hour. I mean, I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, I'll do it. And, you know, I did it probably like 60%. And I jumped from being in and out of the starting lineup to fourth place in the, in the uh, uh, state. And that's when, like, you, you, all, you hear people say that winning is the most addictive thing out there. And it really is. Like, once you get a taste of it, you just want to do it and more and more. Where I was like, okay, I kind of committed to this. Now I know if I do an hour extra every single day, it's gonna, I'm gonna be, it's gonna reward me. And I did, I mean, like, this is, it's kind of crazy. Like I was saying like lifetime ago, I was so young. I did an hour a day running, lifting, watching film, shadow wrestling, grabbing my brothers and just beating them up and, and trying some new things. And I went from fourth place in the state to state champion, outstanding wrestler, 62 and 0, and I think I had like 57 pins. And I went to the Reno tournament, and this is where I, 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 at that point, I had one recruiting letter from Cal State Bakersfield going into my senior year. And I remember I went to the Reno tournament at Champions, and I pinned the uh, number two, three, and four guys in the nation, um, all back to back. And I remember walking off the mat, like, like college coaches were just boom, right there in you know, your face. and you know, they were recruiting those other kids. And I remember, uh, I remember walking with Rob Cole, like when he was just getting Cornell, like coming up and he was like, Hey, Ivy league, blah, 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 doing this, this, this. And like, he's handing me like the pamphlets and I'm like, my, my mind's just spinning. And I see John when we're walking through the casino, like he's walking away, you know, going to his room because we're in Reno, Nevada. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh, that sucker didn't come talk to me. He didn't come talk to me. And then like, just randomly, I ran into him. And he just goes, hey, you want to be a cowboy? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And that was like literally like like it for my recruiting. <laughs> who who came out on the trip, if anyone? To what? To your house. Like, did they ever? Oh come no, out? no, no. I ran into him like like when we were leaving the the. the but but uh, like trip. after that though. He did come in. I I I did I did I I, I took uh, official visits to uh, Arizona State. I took a visits uh, to Iowa State. Arizona State was coached by Leroy Smith at the time, so I got okay. to. Me, Leroy, and then uh, Bobby Douglas at uh, Iowa State, and um, and John at Oklahoma State, and um, you know it was it was funny because uh, I was really close to Iowa State. Um, Joe Heskett was, you know, he's just an awesome human being, and getting to know him, and then you know Kale's Kale. So when I was uh, you know a young high school kid looking at Kale, I think that was when he had just won his like his 
sophomore year. He just won his, his second straight title his sophomore year. So you're kind of like shocked by some of these guys. And it wasn't, this was pre-flow wrestling, pre-all that, where you didn't see these people. You didn't have access to them. So like you didn't get to see all these interviews and everything. So it was like kind of like, like recruiting trips were like a whirlwind. And Oklahoma State was my worst recruiting trip. I couldn't stand it. I was sick. I actually was throwing up. Um, uh, my, when my mom was driving to the airport, I was throwing up on the way there. I had a fever. Um, I had this guy on a recruiting trip uh, named Scott Barker. You know, I was a small guy. I was like, I wrestled 145 my senior year. Scott was a 197 pounder. He tried to beat me up on my recruiting trip. It just was like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And at the time, and then I got my scholarship offer, and it was by far my lowest scholarship offer out of all the schools. And I think my mom and dad thought I was crazy when I told them I still was going to Oklahoma State um, just because that was where I wanted to be and knew I wanted to be a, a Cowboys. So. Dude, and then the moment to me that really was probably a huge turning point in your career, Ty Wilcox goes down with a knee injury. Was that your, was that the gentleman who went out when you stepped in your freshman yeah. year? True freshman year. True freshman year. Um, well, I was at a, a house party and my phone rang and it was like one in the morning. And I remember like, Probably should have said that on podcast, uh, but I, it's true. Uh, I ran upstairs and hid in a closet and called John back. And he was like, what are you doing? I was like, ah, just, just sleeping coach. He's like, liar. <laughs> He's like, hey, Ty went down, uh, next man in. He's like, You're, we're pulling you. I was like, uh, okay. And I remember just like hanging up the phone and walking downstairs and some of the other freshman wrestlers were there. And I was like, they're pulling me out of red shirt and I like just walk back to the dorm. Like, okay. Like I don't even know what to do. And then uh, the funny part was my first match was Joe Heskett, Iowa state. <laughs> Joe Heskett, Iowa state, the guy that hosted me on my recruiting trip to Iowa state that was upset that I didn't go to Iowa state. And I remember being in the warm line and, John told me, like, right when we were the weigh-ins, like, you know, they, they could do the draw. He's like, hey, uh, they're going to draw you. I was like, what? He's like, they're going to draw 165. I was like, I thought it was random. He's like, they're going to draw 165. I was like, great. So, yeah, they drew 165. And I remember, like, you know, when you're doing the face-off, Kale uh, and Joe were wearing those old Iowa, the old school I Iowa State robes mm -hmm. you know you see like Dan Gable picture of Dan Gable in and I was just wondering like well why are they wearing the robes and Pat's like oh don't worry about it don't worry about it no big deal I got the first takedown and then I proceeded to get teched Ooh. and that was fun then my next match was I think I believe Bedlam around there 12,000 people and you know we had a team with Mark Munoz and Reggie Wright and Daniel Cormier and there's little Chris just along for the ride where I got whooped in that match and then I had to go to Arizona State and wrestle uh, the late great Steve Blackford. Mm -hmm. Steve Blackford had six minutes and 45 seconds riding time against me. <laughs> no. He took me down, he took me down, rode me the whole first period, then I look at John, and I think I believe he goes, like, you know, just kind of give me one of those defer. I was like, all right, defer. He top. I was like, oh, great. 
So then I'm getting rode the whole second period. And like uh, that point, like I think any Oklahoma State guy would tell you, like, that's the point you don't make eye contact with John. Like you just don't look at him. Like when the matches are going like that, and I just kind of like looked over and I was like going like neutral. And I heard, go down. I was like, bottom so then i got rode out the whole third period so <laughs> it was the best start of a career and then you took the red shirt and to me that must have been a year of miraculous self-discovery jumping levels those are my assumptions coming into it you may tell me otherwise but what happened during your red shirt yeah, yeah, a little bit um it, it was an advantage where i got to actually go into my red shirt with a plan like an idea. Sometimes red shirts just come in thinking, hey, I'm a red shirt. You know, I knew what was out there now. I knew the Joe Heskets. I knew the um, um, Robbie Wallers. I knew those guys now. that That's the level I got to get to. And I remember I had Jake Rochelle was red shirting. We had a really good recruiting class with him. And Ty Wilcox had came back. So it was Ty senior year. And uh, Pat Popolizio was there at 74 and 84s. And Jake and I were redshirting behind them. You know, Jake was a three-time NCAA champion himself. And I remember wrestling with Pat and Ty. And at some point, you know, you're getting beat up, you're getting beat up, you're getting beat up. And then you kind of just catch up a little bit. And I remember saying, okay, these guys are out there doing big things. But now I'm at that level. Now I can actually sit there and it was awesome getting to watch because, um, you know, there's that whole debate, you know, that goes around that you don't have to be a great wrestler to, to be a great coach. And, you know, Pat Popolizzo is one of the best coaches in the country, hands down. No one can argue that. Mm -hmm. Pat never All-American. And so people kind of equate that. Well, he wasn't a great wrestler. Pat was a great wrestler. People realize Pat was ranked number one in the country his senior year. Number one in the country. He beat Josh Lambrick from OU and Damian Hahn back-to-back -back weekends. <clears throat> I didn't even know he wrestled at Oklahoma right. State, to be totally honest with you. Huh? He was at Oklahoma State during your time? Yeah. Oh, wow. Man, yeah. that's incredible how many head coaches were there. Uh, like 10 or something like that. Oh, yeah, Teague Moore was training with us, too. I always forget Teague. But, I mean, like, so I'm getting to wrestle Pat Popolizio, and – He's ranked number one in the country. And so, I mean, that's like, like that's where did that self-confidence come? So I went from, I think I started the season my sophomore year ranked like 18th or 19th. To, uh, I was ranked third in, you know, I think like a month I, I, I was ranked third. And what changed in your mentality? Nothing, nothing really. I mean, um, I'm wrestling Pat Smith, I'm wrestling Mark Branch, I'm wrestling Jake Rochelle, I'm wrestling Pat Pogliso, Tyron Lewis, Shane Roller. I mean, like, there's, there's, there, there's no better feeling than getting ready to step out on the mat and, like, looking on your right, there's Pat. Looking on your left, there's uh, Branch. And then, you know, John's behind you. I mean, like, that's... That's like, the you gang. Know, <laughs> you know you're prepared. You, you know you're prepared. I am like... I, and I don't, I was like, I like, I, no one I'm going to wrestle as tough as Pat and Branch. So I'm ready to go. And one of the things I've heard you say about your time at Oklahoma State, outside of how close the teams were and how great the coaches were, was that you guys had some battles with Lehigh, which I never would have imagined. And you guys went in there and you said it's one of the toughest places in the country to wrestle. Oh, Tell man. us about your experience there. 
the snake pit, you know, the, uh, the late, great Greg Strobel, Oregon State alum, uh, you know, still heavy hearts talking about uh, Greg. He was uh, instrumental in helping change my life as a coach, um, uh, bringing me and my family here to Corvallis. Uh, but, yeah, those teams were good. They had Troy Letters, Corey Cooperman, John Trench. I mean, those were battles, battles. And I remember um, I was wrestling Travis Frick, who was a uh, second-generation All-American, which you don't see a lot of those. His dad was an All-American for Lehigh. He was an All-American. And I'm, I was on a little single, and he kicked out, and he just caught my lip. And, like, you know, just one of those, like, ones where blood started gushing. And I, like, just turned my head and was, like, you know, went injury time. And, you know, Oklahoma State, literally, if you're in Carver, you're in some of these ones, you could break your arm. And if you call injury time, you're getting booed. <laughs> it's just what it is. The reputation, stereotype, whatever. So I literally am working for a major. I get kicked in the face. Blood's coming out. I like go like that and show the referee. He's like, oh, stop. And these old men run to the mat side and they're like, get back in there. You're stalling. I was like, I'm not stalling. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm working for bonus points here. I'm bleeding. Like, no, but, but I'm telling you, those are the environments that make wrestling great that you want your teams to be a part of and, you know, getting me all excited for uh, practice. Man, it's, it's just cool to hear, um, you know, different environments that you, you don't usually think of when you think Oklahoma state, you think Iowa, you think, OU, but you know, cool that you guys were out there. Um, oh, Lehigh, Lehigh, definitely. Lehigh, uh, I would put, I put Lehigh as my second or third favorite venue that I've wrestled in. And what are the other two? Um, Carver and then Bedlam. For sure. Okay. Carver, just because it's a, 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 you know, it's, it's a place. But uh, luckily when I was in college, it wasn't the loudest place. You guys got the better of them. What, probably all, every year you guys wrestled Iowa during that time? Uh, yeah, we never lost to them when I was in, when I was in school. Um, my true freshman year, that was the closest one. Um, where we had a guy named Charlie Walker, who this is how tough that those teams were. I mean, you know, it's 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 kind of like one of the fun. I always like love seeing those breakdowns of like this Penn State team versus this Arrow Oklahoma State team. So, you know, who Johnny Thompson is. Oh yeah. Okay. So Johnny T was not a starter for the Iowa match. Charlie Walker was the starter. Charlie beat Eric Jurgens, I believe, and took over the number one ranking in the country. And then Johnny beat him off the team. And Charlie had to go up to 41. And Johnny went and uh, took second at the NCAAs. Dude, you guys had not only some loaded teams, but just some personalities on those teams. Johnny Thompson, Hendricks, Mako came in there at the end, Esposito. I mean, <laughs> what a group of guys. Yeah, we were all like radically different from each other um but all extremely close um you know it was it was it was fun getting to have like you know and like like me and jake like me and jake couldn't like we couldn't wrestle together without it turning into something bad like we couldn't train together i mean we would but it would always be like he, he was bigger he was really good he would always get the better of me and it would drive me nuts where a lot of fist fights happen a lot of you know <laughs> bad things where 
said, but then he would be over at my house half an hour later playing Halo. Mm. You know, Johnny Hendrix, he should just, he, he would, he would actually, I, the level of self-confidence that Johnny Hendrix had, I, I just can't tell people like, I remember Espo and I were watching this like Satyab highlight tape and Johnny walked in was sitting down and like, Oh, I could beat that guy. And we're like, Hey, this is like the best guy in the world right now. He's like, yeah, I could beat him. And he's like, <laughs> okay. And then one time, like I remember I, we were doing a top bottom practice and I ended up riding him for like 10, 15 minutes and John was on him and John said time. He's like, Johnny, you, this and that. He's like, he, he could have rode you another half an hour. He's like, bet he couldn't do it in a match. And I was like, what, what do you mean I couldn't do it in a match? I just did it. <laughs> his self-confidence and self-belief i mean i was jealous of it like this guy was like like <laughs> they, they, jake rochelle he might be the most underrated wrestler in ncaa history i mean the guy yeah. lost one match in the ncaa tournament one match at the ncaa tournament but i remember him losing the fresno state and cal poly on the same weekend and coming back coming home and i'm like if that was me the self-destruct button would have been pressed or been <laughs> in full panic mode. He sat there and he's like, yeah, you know what? It's a bad weekend, whatever. And just let it go. Then just wouldn't just would go and major somebody that was ranked number two or three in the country. Dude, that's ridiculous. I mean, the fact that, you know, you guys would have, because the fact that you have goes that lasted that long is amazing to me because growing up right next to the university of Iowa, everyone thought the Oklahoma state, they did drilling, you know, they never wrestled live, but the more I learn about Oklahoma state, of course they were having fist fights. They were going blows. It's nasty in there, but I think, you know, not knowing that it's a, it's the biggest, like I, I I get asked that question a lot. And I, and and look at now, look at now, what team has the most MMA fighters? Oklahoma state by a landslide. what What teams don't the tough guy teams. That's true. I mean, that's where I, I people that say that I'm like, well, yeah, you know, by the numbers, those guys like to fight. I mean, I didn't, I couldn't do UFC. I mean, I don't want to get punched in the face, but it's a uh, true. I mean, uh, that 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 was always like a, a something a little annoying. Like when we had to battle those uh, perceptions, <laughs> you know, Jake Rochelle. I'm keep going back to Jake. I'll tell you a story about how tough Jake was. The year that we had five NCAA champions on February seventh. John Trench at Lehigh. We just talked about Lehigh. John Trench and Jake were wrestling. Jake tore his ACL, MCL, and I think his PCL. Completely destroyed his knee. He rode the Aerodyne bike all the way up to like the Big 12 tournament, I believe. Wrestled in the Big 12 tournament. And this was, you know, like again, pre flow, all that, where you could keep secrets. Like, you know, I remember Don saying, we're shutting the room down. No one talk about this. No one knows Jake got hurt. So he goes in, he loses to BJ Patton in um, the Big 12 finals. And I'm like just watching him like this guy's gutting it out. Goes back and he's on the bike again. Goes to the NCAA tournament and wins it. Changes up his stance. And no one caught on to it. He changed his stance where I think he went from like a lefty to a righty or something. And he started doing his right-handed, uh, right-side high crotch a lot. He hit it on Sean Stender in the semifinals. Did all this and didn't have a knee brace. And I just remember every single session, you know, three-day tournament, three days of doing that on one leg. Mm. 
every time we would be walking through the arena and everything, I mean, just you wouldn't you wouldn't even guess that he was hurt. The moment we got back to the hotel, I mean, you just saw a guy like just crumble, like lay in his bed, grabbing his knee, icing it, and you could just tell he was doing everything he could to keep it together in public, but privately, I mean, the man was hurt. He had reconstructive surgery the day after the NCAA tournament. The right. mental strength is insane for, for a lot of these high-level guys like that. I mean, it's incredible. I, I, I honestly don't know if I could have done it. I, I highly doubt I could have done it. I mean, but Jake was a special guy. And that's where, like, I, I get really picky because a lot of times, like, people, you know, talk about the greats and everything. And I'm like, the guy lost one match in the NCAA tournament. Won it on one leg. Like, he's tough. That's ridiculous. Dude, another guy from your era – who doesn't get mentioned enough is Greg Jones. Did you guys, did you guys ever scrap? Yeah. Yeah. He beat me. He beat me at the all-star match. That sophomore year? I learned not to, not to, yep. I learned not to shoot a low single. Um, I, he, he nailed me on two reshots in the first period and then picked neutral. And I remember going in my sophomore year, this is a hard lesson I had to learn going in my sophomore year. Um, the NCAA tournament, everybody's like, uh, Greg's one, I was two. You know, he's the only one that really had beat me on the year, I believe. I think at that time, he's the only one that had beat me. Um, and I remember, like, you hear coaches say, just wrestle your match in the NCAA, don't look ahead, don't look ahead. I remember it was quarterfinals, and, like, I'm watching Greg Jones wrestle Rashad Evans uh, from Michigan State. And Rashad and I had had a heck of a match in double overtime in Stillwater when he wrestled at Michigan State, where I couldn't take Rashad down. He took me down a couple of times, but I turned him on top. And when we went to double overtime, I remember going to overtime being like, mm -mm, not shooting anymore on you. You're, you're getting me. He's this faster, better athlete. But I was like, I, double overtime, I picked up and I turned him. So – I had the ability to turn on top and I remember watching like the match and I'm like watching Greg wrestle with branch and branch like, Hey, 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 your match, your match focus in. I'm like, he's going to lose. Like he can't, he's not, he's going to struggle to take uh, uh, Rashad down. And sure enough, got upset. And in my mind, I remember being like, huh, I just won a national title. Like, <laughs> you know, Greg was my number one competition. I just, I just won a national title. And I stepped out against Brad Dillon from Lehigh, and I didn't win my national title. Brad beat me. And I remember just the whole match, I was like, like trying to get my, my, my focus, like zone in, well, snap out of it. And I just couldn't pull myself out. And that round, the number one, two, I believe five and six all went down in one round. Mm. Uh, bracket. Like, I remember, I, I just remember just like sitting there, like, I just screwed that up. Like, I just screwed myself. What kind of conversation do you have with yourself to get back ready to make sure you finish as high as you can at that point? Well, that was where everybody was kind of telling us that we were chokers, that Oklahoma State couldn't win, um, that we choked. Um, and in that round, I was a number two seed. Mola Wall is a number two seed. Zach Esposito was a number two seed. I believe Roller was a three seed. Tyrone Lewis was a two seed. We all lost. Oh, my God. Kansas City, 03. And I remember being in the uh, hotel room and 
you know, you're crushed, you're devastated that, you know, we just, all of our individual glory had just left. And John was like, got to wrestle for each other. You got to, you know, come out. And we, um, I mean, we exploded on the backside. We uh, got pin after pin after pin, chain pin Luke Becker. Um, I pinned um, Webster from Oregon uh, in the third place match in 15 seconds. And that probably was my favorite college moment where I just remember like, you know, he re he rushed me out of bounds, and I looked at John, and he's like, he does it again, put him on his head. And so when he like run run into me with double underhooks, I went double overs and launched him and got the pin. And when I got off the mat, you know, John was like, you know, gave me a hug. He's like, hey, mathematically, that just sealed the title. Wow. So that was my favorite moment, and I got to go back to the hotel, and I would always run with Rochal, where Jake's like, you know, like I said, like they always took our phones on. On uh, at the NCAA tournament and everything, where Jake's like, you know, like they would take your phones. Like, oh yeah, they they wouldn't let keep out the outside distractions. I mean, I like it. Area, different era. Yeah, you know, it was and in, in our minds, it wasn't a big deal. Like, yeah, here, take my phone. I mean, I'm I got a mission. Um, so Jake but, had no idea what had happened when he got back. Yeah, and I got to say tell him like, hey, we were national champions. Like, team job done. Go win your title now. And I had to drill with Jake at the end uh, there in the finals, and that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember like he's drilling for the NCAA finals for his championship, right? And like I'm looking at the big stage, I'm looking at the ESPN cameras, I'm looking at all of it. I mean, like this is supposed to be me. This is supposed to be my time. And like every time Jake would be done, I'd like go in the bathroom and you know let out a little tear. Yeah. There's nothing lonelier than, or more of a just kind of self-reflecting to watch a finals, whether it's the middle school state finals, the high school state finals, in your case, the NCAA finals, when you think going into it, you were going to be there and then you're not, you know, watching it in your street clothes is always a really interesting moment. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I mean, when you start watching it and you get older, there's so many variables like going to winning an NCAA title and you just start realizing how special it really is. I mean. I remember even what, um, two years ago wrestling with Zahid before the finals and just like watching him just being like, man, this is, this is insane. Like, like all the stuff that goes into it, like health, safety, just preparation, being mentally focused in. And then the last uh, funny story before, uh, before I got to go with Pat back to Pat Smith is uh, his son, Gus. Um, it was one of the cool things because Pat's my hero. And so I was at the NCAA championship and uh, ran into Pat in the hallway and like, I was like talking to him and, and he's like, he's like, Gus, this is uh, Chris, you know, he's one of my guys I coach and this and that. And, you know, you can tell little kids when they're like, they're impressed or they're just like, all right, whatever. Gus was not impressed at all by any of my credentials. And like, I'm like, he's like, yeah, you it's a dominant wrestler, this and that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, whatever, Dad. I was like, all right. Hey, Gus, you know who I coach? He's like, who? I was like, Zahid Valencia. And just instantly, like, eyes got big. He's like, you know Zahid? You know Zahid? Like, like, could you, could I meet him? And I'm like, oh, yeah, your dad's a four-timer. I'm a two-timer, but we're chopped liver. But now you want to meet Zahid. Now I'm cool. I was like, all right. <laughs> kind of laughed. And then, um. I was uh, talking to Pat and, uh, you know, Zahid, Zahid and I are close and he's a, 
it looked like little brother where Zaid had to dig deep and, and figure out a way to win a title his junior year, and he did it, and he did it. Where afterwards, I got to send Pat a text, like, hey, why don't you bring Gus down in the tunnels and to meet Zaid? So I got a picture. It's, uh, it's actually at my house of me, Pat, Zaid, and uh, Gus. Wow. And Gus was all excited and everything, and I'm just, like, laughing, just like, you know, your uncle's John, <laughs> your dad's Pat, and, you know. But hey, next generation, new era, new heroes. And and that's it just shows you like the the power of mentors and how much that can influence you because Pat was yours. Let's sign off with this. How influential was your time spent coaching in Wyoming with Mark Branch? It was a turning point in my career. You know, I remember those people that actually told me, Don't go to Wyoming, you know, it'll be a career ender. And it was a career builder. I mean, it, it, I think I think Wyoming got me the job at Oregon State more than any other place I'd been at, mm. where, you know, we, we did some really good things, put out multiple All-Americans. I think we were ranked high as like sixth or seventh in the nation. And it was learning how to build a team. Mark had done, like, you know, he had had a year or two there before me. But when I got there, it was... I was used to just a different thing at Oklahoma State. I was used to just, you know, you're 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 the elite. You're 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 that. Thirty-four national titles. You know, blue chip kid after blue chip kid. How do I go and help a kid truly develop? Mm. Kid that might not have been exposed to high level wrestling. How do I help him build that confidence in himself to get to that next level? How do you, a kid like Alfonso Hernandez, who was a state champion in Blackfoot, Idaho? You know, that's not a uh, a five-star athlete from PA, you know, how do we get him to start believing himself and turn into a three-time All-American? And it gave me a little bit different perspective that what worked for me might not work for this kid. How mm -hmm. do I help this kid develop? I love it. Well, I'd like to spend more time at some point just talking about your coaching philosophy and your strategy. And there's, there's so much uh, I'm excited about for you getting to Oregon State. My, one of my heroes, Mark Johnson, was at Oregon State from 90 to 92 after mm -hmm. he coached with Gable and really, really uh, turned it around, man. So I'm excited to see what you guys do. Wish you nothing but the best, Coach. Thank you. I appreciate it. Always fun to relive the glory days. Amen. Take care. And all great things must come to an end. If you want to hear more from the podcast, text WRESTLE to 555-888. That's WRESTLE to 555-888. You can also find us on Instagram, Wrestling Changed My Life, Twitter, Ryan underscore N underscore Warner, as well as our website, WrestlingChangedMyLife.com. Take care, y'all.